Welcome to Truth Matters with Terry McCarthy. This is Thursday, May 7, and today we are continuing our series on what we really know about the coronavirus. Today's topic, masks or no masks? That is the question. There's a dispute among scientists over the use of face masks by the general public as a way to prevent the spread of COVID-19 in each community. A new report from a multidisciplinary group sanctioned by London's Royal Medical Society called DELVE, D-E-L-V-E, Data Evaluation and Learning for Viral Epidemics. This report out of England has claimed to have weighed the evidence and come out in favor of the public wearing face masks, including homemade cloth masks, as a way to tackle COVID-19. Let me say a bit about their findings. The report states, Our analysis suggests that mask use could reduce onward transmission by asymptomatic and pre-symptomatic wearers if widely used in situations where physical distancing is not possible, contrasting to the standard use of masks for the protection of wearers, the report notes. If correctly used on the basis, face masks include including homemade cloth masks, may contribute to reducing viral transmission. Now, did you catch those words I was emphasizing? The report says, could reduce, if widely, and may. So according to the report, these conclusions are based on analysis of one key consideration. Is the role of droplets as a route of transmission? And if so, can masks help reduce the dispersal of those droplets? The report could not say with any certainty at all because there are so few studies on this topic and those studies that do exist are based on too small of a sample group to generalize. In other words, they don't know. So the UK report prompted other scientists to express their reservations, warning that it amounted to no more than opinion and overstated the available evidence. In other words, the majority of researchers who read the report disagreed. We still don't know for certain. Dr. Simon Clark, who's an associate professor in cellular microbiology at the University of Reading, he said the report falls short of delivering new evidence and too casually dismisses precautionary principles when addressing the possibility that masks and coverings could have negative effects on people's behavior as well as their health. Like asthma sufferers, for example, and folks with chronic lung disease simply cannot wear the masks. Also, masks can force the wearers to breathe in too much carbon dioxide, which is harmful even to healthy people. An excessive amount of CO2 can displace oxygen in our air. If less oxygen is available for us to breathe, symptoms such as rapid heartbeat, dizziness, extreme fatigue, as less oxygen becomes available, nausea and vomiting, fainting, convulsions, coma, and yes, even death. The need for CO2 is paramount, of course. That's why we have people who are hyperventilating breathe into a paper bag. But for normal, healthy people, too much or concentrated forms of CO2 can be lethal. And in classic cotton masks, that CO2 begins to concentrate and affect our ability to breathe clear, clean air. 
Dr. Clark says, until more evidence is delivered in either directions, it's all just advice based on nothing more than opinions. Opinions. There's a lot of those going around these days. And opinions are not facts. Opinions are not evidence. Dr. Ben Killingsley, a consultant in acute medicine and infectious diseases at the University College in London, he is very critical of the new report. He says the report is overly optimistic about the value of face coverings and is incorrect to conclude that the evidence shows that face covering can reduce viral transmission of any kind in a community. There is no fact, no good evidence that face coverings achieve protection, none at all. Killingsley goes on to say that the report largely ignored real-world data, which suggests low effectiveness or protection for either the wearer or those around them. Killingsley says, this is not to say that face coverings might not be helpful, noting face mask studies have not been carried out during a pandemic, or that the context of the novel virus such as COVID-19 has still been unproven. Nevertheless, he says, the report, in my view, does not accurately represent the evidence on face coverings that currently exist. Dr. Antonio Lazzarino of the Department of Epidemiology and Public Health at University College London agreed. The evidence we need for uh, this kind of implementation and this kind of public mandate to involve billions of people that kind of evidence must come ideally from randomized controlled trials at population level or at least from observational follow-up studies with comparison groups. This is too big of a deal. This is too big of a mandate. This involves too many people to just be following on suggestion or opinion. Lorenzo goes on to say, based on what we know about the dynamics of transmission, and the pathophysiology of COVID-19, the negative effects of wearing masks definitely outweigh the positive. So should members of the public be wearing face masks during the COVID-19 virus? It's a controversial question with different countries and authorities giving different advice. I want you to know that for this podcast, I've read over the results of a dozen randomized trials of face masks and transmission of respiratory illnesses. And what did I find? The current best evidence suggests wearing a mask to avoid viral respiratory infections such as COVID-19 offers minimal protection, if any. Two of the world's major health organizations disagree on wearing masks. The WHO, the World Health Organization, currently discourages mask use. They say there's currently no evidence that wearing a mask, whether medical or other types, by healthy persons in the wider community setting, including universal community masking, can prevent them from infection with respiratory viruses like COVID-19. The WHO does recommend special masks like the N95, plus other protective gear for healthcare workers. These are people that are exposed daily to COVID-19. By contrast, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention has recently recommended everyone wear a cloth mask. However, this is to prevent infected people passing on the infection, not to prevent the wearer from getting infected. So who's right? Does wearing a mask protect the wearer? Does it protect those around them? 
Do homemade masks work? I don't know. Sometimes coronavirus spreads directly from one person to another through the air or hands contact or contact with an object where the virus is present. There are several possible routes to infection. One, an infected person can cough, sneeze, or breathe while within about six feet of another person and the virus lands on the other person's eyes or nose or mouth. So in that case, I see how a cotton or fabric shield could protect the other person. However, if they're not gloved and goggled, the particles can still land in the person's eyes or the um, healthy person's hands or even on an article of clothing that can live for 30 minutes or more on clothing. So the idea is that does it shield them from that cough or that sneeze or that saliva? Yep, perhaps it does. But can those particles land on the uninfected person in other ways, like their shoe? Yep, it sure can. There are several possible routes. And another route is when an infected person coughs or sneezes onto their own hands or onto a surface. The unaffected person then shakes the hand or touches the surface and then transfers the virus to their own eyes, nose, or mouth. Again, air particles aren't limited by our nose and mouth. They can go into our eyes, and eyes transmit this disease to our entire body. It is possible that an infected person can also cough or sneeze to create an airborne spread beyond the close contact range. But it is controversial whether this last route is a major means of transmission. Uh, a cough or sneeze can even land on the flooring, let's say, of a grocery store. And the uninfected person can carry that in their, on their shoes and end up taking the shoes off and then contracting the disease. We don't know how much transmission occurs by each of these routes. And it's also unclear how much protection a mask could offer in each of these cases. So to resolve this question, I've looked at 14 trials of mask wearing and infection for influenza. Influenza is the most closely related, I guess, to what we would call COVID transmitters. Currently, there are no randomized trials involving COVID-19. So the best I can do is look at a similar illness and how it is, uh, in, carries infection to others. When we look at the combined results of these trials, that study... The effects of masks versus no mask in healthcare workers in the general population, they did not show that wearing masks lead to any substantial reduction of influenza-like illnesses. Why don't masks protect their wearer? There are several possible reasons why masks don't offer significant protection. First, masks may not do much without eye protection, like I said before. Experiments have shown that influenza or other coronaviruses can enter the eyes and travel to the nose and into the respiratory system. While standard and special masks provide incomplete protection, special masks combined with goggles or total face shields appear to provide a better protection. But people don't have those face shields and people aren't wearing goggles. The minimal impact of wearing masks might be because people don't use them properly. For example, one study found that less than half of the participants wore the mask in uh, an effective way. 
People may also wear a mask inappropriately or touch a contaminated part of the mask when removing it and transfer that virus to their hand and then eventually their faces, their eyes, their noses. Masks give wearers a false sense of security and therefore they don't wash their hands sufficiently or they might rub their eyes without any thought of contamination. Do masks protect, protect others? Could masks protect, uh, protect others from the virus that might have been spread by the mask wearer? Well, a recent Hong Kong laboratory study found some evidence masks may prevent the spread of virus from the wearer. They took people with influenza-like symptoms, gave half of them mask and half no mask, and for 30 minutes collected viruses from the air that they breathed out, including coughs. Masks did reduce the amount of droplets and aerosols containing detectable amounts of the virus, not COVID-19, but the influenza virus they were investigating. But let me just say, that was only 17 people out of 111 subjects. We also don't know how this reduction of aerosols and droplets translate to reduction of infection in the real world. If there is an effect, it may be diluted by several factors, such as time particles remain in the air, where the particles landed, and whether or not particles cling to masks of non-infected wearers, which they probably do. Just like if you cough, you're an infected person, you've got a mask, you cough, particles land on the ground, land on the flooring of, for example, the grocery store, a non-infected wearer walks on that infected particle, carries it home, they can last on um, non-porous surfaces for 30 minutes, and then you're contaminated, even though everyone involved was wearing a mask. Okay, so what about masks for some? If wearing masks does substantially reduce the spread of the infection to others, why aren't they provided for the prison population? Instead of releasing prisoners into the general population, if wearing masks is so highly effective, then why doesn't the government just require wearing them and then open businesses and parks and schools? If they do work and are so highly effective, why don't they ask anyone and everyone with any kind of respiratory symptoms to wear masks in public? It's because there is no hard evidence that mask wearing prevents the spread of any airborne illness. Mask wearing for the possibly infected to prevent spreading the infection, that warrants rigorous and rapid investigation. It could be an alternative or supplement to social distancing hand hygiene, testing, and lockdowns, but it is never a replacement. The facts are wearing masks just simply has not been proven as a viable option of delaying the virus's contamination. In fact, the science is still out. One pro-mask wearing friend of mine said she thought it was a good idea because it helped people remember the six-foot distancing rule. What? No, I'm not going to wear a mask to remind people to stay away from me. That's not even science. And honestly, neither is my next statement. But when it comes to wearing a mask, I say consider the source. What? I know, I know, but listen to me. Look at the people who want to insist we wear masks, regardless of no hard evidence that masks work. Are they the people we would take advice from concerning any other matter? Do we trust them on any other subjects or topics? I don't know. 
And though guilty by association is not evidence, it is a type of rationale. And for me, without hard evidence that masks contain or prevent the virus, I'm going to have to say no. The truth is mask wearing, especially homemade mask, is not a defense against COVID-19. But it has become a political statement. And those of us who refuse to wear a mask are labeled selfish, irresponsible, and reckless. And there it goes. There's the rub. More virtue signaling and shaming. And guess what? A new place for these horrible things to raise their ugly head. Well, I sure hope they're wearing masks. This has been Truth Matters with Terry McCarthy. I had wanted to do a podcast tomorrow on the political misuse of COVID-19 and how it has become more of a political tool than an actual virus. In preparing the podcast, I've been overwhelmed with information, examples, and evidence and have realized I need to spend a bit more time verifying, confirming, and supporting my overall thesis for that podcast. So I'd like to postpone it until next week. In the meantime, I hope you'll join me for Vlog Friday on my YouTube channel. I'll place a link in the description below. I'll also post a link for um, previous podcasts that deal with the coronavirus. If this podcast has been helpful or useful in any way, please subscribe. Take time to give me a thumbs up, and I'd love to read any and all comments. Thanks again for joining me today, and I'll podcast you later next week. Bye-bye.